Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. everyone it's episode 90 of it's all connected this is russ and back with me is matthew hey hey we're here today we're gonna do a little bit of news uh we're gonna do our final dive on daredevil season two and then talk about the most recent episode of agents of shield paradise lost of course the biggest piece of news that we'll dive right into is uh the doctor strange trailer dropped on jimmy kimmel yeah which is a funny story because I was I was out of town last week, which is why the episode's a little late as we as we talked about last week, and uh, so I watched Agents of Shield. I was I kept it on ABC while I was kind of doing some work in the hotel, and in Little Rock they at ten thirty five they show Modern Family, mm-hmm. and at eleven oh five they show Kimmel. So they don't show Kimmel right after ten thirty five, like the ten thirty the ten o'clock news. Oh right, right, and so. Right when they get to Kimmel, Kimmel just starts, and all of a sudden the reception for the channel just started to go wonky, and I just lost signal completely in the hotel. So oh, bummer. Yeah. So, but by the time the Kimmel show actually would have started, the trailer was already up on the net because like once that's true. Once yeah. it hit that point at like ten forty five or whatever it was, it showed. So I just went ahead and watched it on my laptop. That's true, and you just got to skip over Kimmel, which is. <laughs> infuriating anyway <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> uh, but i wanted to see clark Gregg and i i wanted to... yeah yeah the interview i know i i i was imagining like a fantasy in the back of my head where benedict cumberbatch and clark Gregg became best friends and <laughs> you know they they insisted that marvel made them both appear in each other's properties <laughs> <laughs> was cumberbatch live or was he via remote because i thought i saw at one point they showed him on a tv screen i'm not sure i I didn't actually oh you didn't catch it okay no i just i mean i um you know as soon as the trailer i I don't have cable or anything so i just waited until the trailer dropped and then just watched that and i haven't actually gone back and checked out the interviews gotcha yeah i haven't i've i've been kind of tied up since i got back so um but anyway the trailer i'm curious to see what did you think um, I've watched it a couple times now and I, you know, it's I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's cool. There's obviously like a lot of neat elements and I, I, you know, I, it really looks like they're going to dive into a lot of this sort of like psychedelic sort of imagery and like, um, you know, obviously a lot of people are saying it looks sort of like inception, yeah. which I don't think is a bad thing at all because, you know, inception was a pretty unique thing when it came out and, you know, nobody's nobody else has really done anything with that template that they established, which is kind of surprising. So, um, so I, I would say like the one thing that I was maybe slightly disappointed by is that it wasn't as, um, like psychedelic in terms of like colorful, you know, yeah. like trippy sort of acid visuals. Yeah. They kept talking about all the Ditko stuff from the seventies. And so I was expecting more color. I thought it looked a little monotone, um, and it, you know, a little, obviously a little dark, a little serious, um, which, so I, I'm not sure I, 
you know, it's just a teaser. And I think they were just trying to like make it look really sort of like gritty and bombastic and all that. So, um, you know, it's definitely intriguing, but I hope that when we get some more looks, we'll get a little more of the sort of like trippy, colorful, crazy visuals, you know? Yeah. I wonder if it's, you know, we're seven months out. So I wonder if some of it is just like the effects work isn't quite there yet for a lot that's of what this. I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I think the stuff they showed us was, the, you know, maybe a couple of batches that they got together. And I'm hoping it'll be the case that when we're sitting in the theater and seeing it in, you know, 3D and it, I'm hoping it'll be an experience that, you know, the technology of the theater is really what you need to like fully experience the movie, which I'm OK with. Yeah. If that's the case. I'm, I'm so, a little. Yeah. I'm, the only thing I was really concerned with is for I'll, I'll use the term civilians watching the trailer for them to be just like I have no idea what the hell this movie's about. Yeah, it, I, I I agree. I mean, even as someone who knows what's going on, it doesn't tell you anything. But then again, you know, teasers have gotten much much longer. You know, they used to yeah. basically be like a scene and then the title card. You know, they were like fifteen seconds or something, and now a teaser is like two and a half minutes. So. You know, in in that sense, it definitely is a tease. I mean, it's like, I don't know what this is, but there's some trippy Marvel movie with Benedict Cumberbatch in it coming out. So, you know, if that's what they're going for, I think I think they were successful in that. Um, but, yeah, we definitely need to see another trailer that explains, you know, what <laughs> what the hell's going on yeah. for, for all of us. But, you know, especially for, you know, the average moviegoer. But. They did some cool things visually with it where they contrasted the pre accident, the pre Doctor Strange, Doctor you know, Stephen Strange and the yes. post. You know, where he's like looking out the window and it's you know, right. he's got a, a tuxedo on and they flash and it's it's him looking out the window, obviously after his accident and he's looking very scraggly and they they did that a few times, which I thought was mm-hmm. kinda cool. Yeah, I think it's gonna play a lot with you know it's it's dealing with a lot of other dimensions and stuff, so I it seemed like they're going for a lot of those visuals, like multiple realities of uh, the past versus the future, things like that. So I definitely think we're going to see a lot of dimension hopping and time hopping and a lot of parallels between those. And and again, if that makes it sort of like Inception, I think that's that's a cool tactic for a Marvel movie because we've never really seen a Marvel movie that's like super mind bending and sort of like plays with your head. You know, like it'd be great to see something that at the end of Doctor Strange you're left with like Inception or Total Recall or you know, a lot of those films where you're like, you don't know what was real and what wasn't and things yeah. like that. So I, I don't know if they'll go something that bold just because it has to connect with, you know, the rest of the MCU, but it, it, that would be an interesting, like, new tactic for them to take. And, you know, just this sort of crazy, like, you know, screwing with your mind movie. Yeah, yeah. Would be a pretty cool approach. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious for more. We didn't, you know, other than Strange and the Ancient One, which... I know there's a lot of fear over uh, casting of Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. My biggest issue with casting Tilda Tilda Swinton as the ancient one is they cast Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. Um, I'm not a huge Tilda Swinton fan. She's just always kind of like a little bizarre. Like she always plays characters that are very bizarre looking. And I just, I don't know, like her as an actress doesn't, does nothing for me. So I was, of all the casting choices, I was not crazy about the fact that they, okay. uh, that they picked her, but, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen her in a ton, but I, I mean, I'll say that I do, 
I, I like her in what I've seen, and and I I don't know. I, I think the weirdness might be able to work because I mean, my one worry with this film is that it'll take itself too seriously, given the opportunities for it to be kind of you know out there and crazy. Um, so I'm definitely open to any sort of like uh, possible weirdness that might arise, but. Yeah, I guess the one thing is in watching the whole thing, it's, and you know, we have all these Iron Fist discussions and stuff. I, I am sort of curious how that's all going to play out, and and the idea that there's this, uh, you know, ancient, um, like Tibetan magical priest who's you know like a, you know, a white person. So I don't really know how that. I don't really know how that's all going to be perceived when the film comes out and when it all comes together, but um, I guess that's, you know, maybe a potential concern is how they're going to treat all that sort of, you know, East those Eastern elements and stuff. Yeah. And I'm curious, I'm curious if she's the only interpretation of the ancient, like maybe the ancient one is reincarnated, you know, time after time after time. And maybe a previous, probably going for that. Yeah. Maybe a previous incarnation of her is more traditional looking from what we know of the comics or I I don't know. And I I mean, the problem with the comics version is it's, it's steeped in, you know, all sorts of like Orientalism and, you know, problematic things anyway. So it's not like you want to necessarily do that, but you know, then it's like, are the only Asian characters in this film going to be like the bad guy lackeys and Strange's manservant? Cause yeah. that's, that's know, problematic. problematic. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately that's from all the casting and stuff. That's kind of how it looks so far. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, I definitely, I don't want those sorts of decisions to mar a Marvel film, especially because they've been getting better at that sort of stuff. Oh, but sure, sure. I guess we'll just have to, We'll just have to wait and see how they play it and how it all plays yeah, out. Yeah, I don't want to be too judgmental over it just because we don't we don't know exactly um, at, at this point. I don't know that it, that's just more of like first impressions. Like because we have so little information, it's like well, those will be the elements that I'm kind of like looking at. Like how serious will it be? How colorful will it be? How will they play with you know the elements of non-white culture and just things like that? So yeah. I I just think those are the things to like stay tuned for and and see how they all play out. But I mean, regardless, I'm the excitement I've, I've had for this film is still, you know, there. I, I still think it's another chance for Marvel to do something really, you know, different and out there. So, yeah, I I think, you know, again, we've seen with these Marvel trailers, sometimes the first one doesn't really rock your world. And then by the time the second or the third one comes out, they've really kind of honed in on, the essence of the film and and really show you what you want to see so i think it was a good first uh you know first stab at it like i said Mm -hmm. i just i could see somebody like my wife looking at that and being like yeah i could care less about that who is super excited about the avengers and you know some of the other movies so yeah i think uh it'll be interesting to see how like the general audience reacts to it because again you could put this in the camp of guardians of the galaxy and ant-man you know, where everyone's like, oh, this is a risk. But at the end of the day, I think we know it's pretty, pretty safe bet that nothing that with the Marvel name attached to it is going to be a risk anymore. So um, they pulled off Guardians, they pulled off Ant-Man and this with Benedict Cumberbatch involved. I, you know, I, I don't see it having any problems at the box office. So, yeah, um, it's interesting because he's American. I was curious yeah, if they were going to let him. I was wondering his... how they were going to pull that. Yeah. 
he sounds like House from the from the TV show. Like he sounds like. Well, I mean, he's Hugh Laurie's British too. So. Yeah, exactly. That's what's funny is, <laughs> is that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it, it's an interesting thing. They, I guess, we have that case throughout a lot of the MCU. I mean, Tom Holland's British. Charlie Cox is British. Um, you know, Chris Hemsworth's Australian. So it's a lot of people forced to like kind of change their their accent here and there right but um yeah i don't know i guess it it wouldn't have changed him any if he was british and just living in right. new york right um so i don't know i i never really fully understand those studio decisions um as to changing accents and stuff it's not like we haven't had plenty of blockbuster films starring people with british accents um but i, I don't know that's not not a big deal at all, and I guess we'll see when we hear him speak more. He didn't speak a lot, but yeah, it was. We'll see because I've never heard him doing a you know an American accent in anything else. So, right, well, you know, hopefully it's better than uh, some of the Walking Dead characters who <laughs> do American accents, <laughs> like Rick and the Governor. Because those those yeah. two, those are especially bad because they're trying to do a Southern one, which I think is especially perplexing for uh, uh, British you know, speakers to do. So yeah, it's hard Hopefully sometimes it for, for non-Southerners to do it without sounding exactly overly I think exaggerated. Exactly. I think, I think unless you live in the South, it's pretty hard to do a convincing Southern accent. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, luckily he doesn't have to worry about that. So yeah. as long as he doesn't go to New Yorker with it, you know, right, right, right. Which I don't think he will considering he lives in Greenwich village. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll probably, my, guess is we'll get another trailer probably end of summer ish yeah that's definitely the one we'll see in front of civil war there's no way we'll see anything before that right 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 um but yeah i think the summer it's going to be you know summer's like the the dead zone for marvel this year so i would assume they'll be pumping out a lot of news and and you know promoting their shows that are coming up in the fall and then also doctor strange which is coming out in the fall so yeah i'm sure we'll get I'm sure we'll get a bunch of trailers and teasers for all that's all the fall Marvel stuff over yeah. the summer. Yep, yep. Uh, so I guess sticking with the movie front, uh, we've got a new logo and a title for the new Spider-Man movie, and it's Spider-Man Homecoming. Which mm-hmm. okay, and I haven't read that. Yeah, I, I haven't read that comic arc. Have you? Uh, Apparently, it's based on a comic arc. No, no, not not that rings a bell. No. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say both the logo and the title were underwhelming to me. Yeah. I was really, really gunning for the series to be called Spectacular Spider-Man. That's what I really thought they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, just as a way to distinguish it from the other ones and then, you know, give it a sub, give the sequels a subtitle. But um, the idea that the first one is, you know, it's, I guess it's simple. It, I guess you could, it, there's some meta quality to it in a way. Yeah. Right. The other thing is they actually registered before they released this, there was some news about them registering the name homecoming and they registered a few other Sony registered a few other websites that were all like Spider-Man and then some sort of like school related thing. Huh? So, and they almost, to me, I thought at first maybe they were just for animated movies because they were too just on the nose, just like, Oh, get it? He's in high school. Here's some high school stuff. So I'd be really disappointed if all the films were just Spider-Man and then like late for class or oh yeah, you know, school's <laughs> yeah. out or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> like that would be terrible. But 
Yeah, and then the the logo's fine. I mean, it 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 doesn't really look like you know it's got the yellow, but it doesn't really right. look like any of the other Spider-Man logos. It's kind of like a U shape. It's it's got a weird yeah. little bend to it, but yeah, yeah I, you know, I guess guess it doesn't. It's not a big big deal or anything, but it's a you know a little underwhelming and doesn't necessarily give us like a lot of info. But I, I guess sort of you know without getting too much into it, because I guess we can just direct people to you know, mcuexchange.com for more of this, but there's been a couple little casting rumors and announcements with Spider-Man 2 um, where Michael Keaton is apparently uh, being said to play the villain. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of him playing the vulture, so... Yeah, and then I've heard that there might be another small villain, um, the guy, the bellhop kid from Grand Budapest Hotel is apparently going to be like a bully in it. Hmm. Um, and then they, they've cast a few other like small roles. So I, I definitely think we're going to be getting some, you know, more casting announcement stuff very soon and, and maybe know about the villain and stuff. So I guess we'll see when all that, when all that comes together. Yep. Uh, and then a little bit of Thor Ragnarok news. So I guess the money is on Natalie Portman being out, which, I could take her leave, to be honest with you. Nothing, I mean, nothing specifically against Natalie Portman. She just really doesn't do a whole lot for me one way or the other. Yeah, um, I, I've liked her in things. I just, I think her, and I don't necessarily think this is all her fault. I think the writers are to blame a lot. Agreed, agreed. Her Jane Foster, it's just been completely, in the first film it was okay, but especially in Dark World, which I've said before, I think is a mess all over. But <laughs> yeah, she's just sort of a non-essential character and doesn't, it's it's nothing like Tony and Pepper, or, you know, or something like right. that. Like there's just right. nothing. There's no chemistry. There's her her character serves no purpose. Um, yeah. So it's just, and it continually takes away from you know them focusing on Lady Sif at all, which infuriates me to no end. Yeah, yeah. So if she's out and they're focusing on some other characters, then I'm totally on board with that yeah so but it looks like to replace her as a female lead it looks like tessa thompson is going to be playing the valkyrie which excites me quite a bit i i was a huge fan of creed and i thought tessa thompson was definitely a high point of that movie yeah i've still yet to see creed but i know (laughs) but but i'm i really like valkyrie um yeah so i'm excited with that i'm also I mean, I'm always excited for more, you know, female superhero roles and, and again, in Thor, though, again, I hope this doesn't make them completely forget about, you know, Sif, which they keep doing. (laughs) I really hope, like, they both have a strong role in the film, but... When she's in a weird spot, because... Yeah, they haven't really said... Blindspot got renewed for a third, for for another season, so... But I feel like they could work, you know, work something out with filming, but... I guess we'll see, especially because they're filming in Australia. I guess that makes it complicated. That's tough, yeah. But, yeah, it's a shame because I've also loved her appearances on S.H.I.E.L.D. And I yep. I had hoped that maybe she would just become a regular on S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought that could be really cool. But, yeah, I mean, I'm happy Jamie Alexander has steady work. But I also, you know, we haven't gotten much of her in the show. But in the comics, I'm a huge Sith fan. So I, I've definitely been underwhelmed by how they've used her, but, but Valkyrie is really cool. And I think it's, you know, again, we have another person of color in the Marvel universe and a woman of color, which is, you know, pretty rare for superheroes. So 
I think that's really cool. So if she's got a and, and the way they described it in the deadline report was that she was sort of a um, like a superhero character that would be appearing possibly in like multiple Marvel films. So not just Thor Ragnarok, yeah. which we could assume at this point is just Infinity War. So sure, sure. I guess that's a no brainer. But again, you know, I think pretty cool that we'll have, you know, another female warrior character that could be popping up, you know across franchises so if if that's her i mean that's still you know the rumor but right yeah definitely still rumor i, I think it's a safe bet because she was almost a character in thor 2 she's pretty prominent in the comics and um she was the defender <laughs> for a while right yeah exactly she had that you know her and misty knight were together so yeah there's a lot of I definitely think uh, she was in the secret um, Avengers too, or the um, yeah. Yeah. The secret Avengers. Um, So yeah, I, that seems like a no brainer Um, between her and Hela. The only other major like Thor female character they haven't had is Angela. Um, So I I feel like Valkyrie's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. And given the story of Ragnarok, it's pretty fitting that she'd play a role in, and if yeah, Kate so. Blanchett is Hela, that makes sense because, I, I mean, I guess if listeners don't know, Valkyrie is like the leader of like the Valkyrior. I don't really know how to pronounce that, but basically they like usher the dead Asgardian warrior souls to Valhalla. Right. So then if Hela, you know, that deals with the underworld and, it, you know, it kind of seems like it's all building towards a big, you know, battle of like ghosts in the underworld and stuff like that. So Death of the Gods. Yeah, so it'll be another chance for them to do something, you know, different, interesting in the MCU. So, yeah, yeah. excited. Uh, and the last little tidbit, and I don't have a whole lot to add here, but uh, it looks like the Defenders got a little more announcements going, and we've got showrunners. And the showrunners are Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez, who are mm-hmm. also the showrunners for Daredevil, or at least they yeah. were for season two. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Drew Goddard is is back executive producing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And this was like a, an official Marvel announcement yes. too, yes. which it's kind of rare that we hear from Marvel before we hear from just the trades. So, yeah. And given that this news came out before anything official on Jessica Jones season two or, or daredevil season or daredevil three. season three, like, I mean, granted we know who the, the, for Jessica Jones season two, we know the showrunners and all that, but we haven't mm-hmm. heard any filming dates or anything. So no. uh, it almost seems like maybe we will get Defenders before we get either another season of Jessica Jones or yeah. a third season of Daredevil. Yeah, and there's been – Charlie Cox has made some comments too over the past week. Um, and it, it sort of seems to point towards – it sort of seemed like he was saying that the story of Daredevil and what we saw in season two – was all about getting him to accept the help of others and that though they could continue his story in a season three, he was kind of also saying they could continue it in Defenders. Um, so it, it sort of seems like they're pointing towards that, despite what we've been speculating. It seems like maybe Defenders, and given the involvement of so many Daredevil people, um, it seems like it might kind of like be almost like the continuation of Daredevil's story and then pulling in the other people. The other characters so yeah no, i i would have to imagine if marvel's announcing showrunners like officially as like a big news item then then that's something that's you know right around the corner yeah 
So, yeah, hey, it'll be interesting. Um, it's it's sort of like, um, you know, taking the Marcus and McFeely and the Russos who were, you know, took over in the second cap installment and then they go on to the, the Avengers. Now we've got the, you know, a bunch of the people involved with Daredevil and now they're moving on to the Defenders. So maybe it'll be a similar sort of situation with Daredevil being the cap of the Defenders. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's really all I had on news. Uh, yeah. Like like Matthew said, head over to mcuexchange.com. There's, there's a bunch of other news stories that uh, I just didn't feel like at this time there were really any anything we really need to kind of elaborate on. There's some stuff about Kevin Feige um, and what he has to say about Phase 3. There's some stuff you know, about the Inhumans. Yeah. little here and there. Yeah, it's mostly just little tidbits that there's nothing really for us to say other than, you know, they happened. But, yeah. Yeah, the MCU exchange definitely in the spot to read up on all those, and and if they develop into something bigger, then then we'll try and hit on them. Yeah, I think we're gonna you know just in you know maybe over the summer when things are a little lighter, we could we could expand on the news. But while we've yeah, got definitely. multiple things going on, I think we're gonna try and keep the news segment a little tighter um, and talk about stuff that's a little more concrete. So yeah, so definitely yeah. like we said, head it over to mcuexchange.com um, and keep an eye on the news over there as it happens. So. Now that the news is out of the way, we're ready to talk about the final installment for Daredevil Season 2, and we'll be talking about the final four episodes, uh, The Man in the Box, 380, Dark at the End of the Tunnel, and A Cold Day in Hell's Kitchen. Um, and so this is, again, like we said, the kind of the third act. This is where everything, for the most part, just kind of comes together. Uh, and for for Man in the Box... You know, the victims that we saw at the end of the last episode when Matt found all these people that were being used as transfusion <clears throat> machines slash, uh, you know, I don't know what you'd call yeah. them. Why? Yeah, I don't think we, I think that's what we were talking about last time is we don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's real vague. I mean, just a weird plot device that they didn't elaborate on. Yeah, I mean, Claire makes a point of telling Matt that th- there were other biological materials that were found in their blood, almost like they were used as incubators. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, even after rewatching it, we'll get to it at the end, but that whole box, you know, the whole thing with this box that they conceivably pulled out of the ground underneath hell's kitchen is a little, uh, not even a little, it's, it's a, it's a lot, uh, cryptic as to what's, what's really going on. <laughs> yeah. Or if that's even, you know what the pit was for i think that's almost one of the bigger issues for me is they made such a big deal out of that that pit and then they just never they were never like hey what's up with that pit yeah did we ever figure out why they dug that yeah it's not clear if they if they dug it to pull that thing out of it or if or if it's a thing that's still in the future i mean yeah i think the speculation with uh season one when nobu sort of lays out this blueprint of the city and there's the area that the yakuza want it's like highlighted and i guess we can assume that that's the area where the pit was was it maybe that would be like for shadowland right right but it again sort of weird that they don't touch on that and then again if we're going straight into the defenders unless the defenders will somehow tie maybe that'll somehow be the threat is something to do with shadowland that it i wonder if you know, we'll we'll even go back to that or not. Yeah, and then there was some speculation that well, they dug the hole to because the beast was down there, which is kind of an Electra 
mm-hmm. villain that they were trying to extract the beast and you know that was some kind of portal or something yeah so it's just it's very convoluted but uh yeah hope i i'm really hoping that it's something that we will learn about at some point because a lot there's a lot of elements that we're talking about right now that i think it would be pretty hard for them to just ignore and never mention again yeah yeah so the biggest thing really there's two there's two big things that happen in this episode the first one is reyes kind of calls in Matt, Foggy, and Karen and comes clean about mm-hmm. what's going on. That the whole thing with his with Castle's family being shot, it was a sting operation that went bad. The three gang gangs were there. Everything went crazy. The you know the the undercover ended up getting killed and she's right, been, which is kind of the big thing that I think they were covering up. That's the missing yeah. John Doe that right. Karen learned about. Yeah. So she's kind of been covering everything up to to kind of protect herself from, mm-hmm. you know, from being embroiled in this, this big, um, this, this big conspiracy. So, mm-hmm. um, it turns out that she thinks that castle got to her daughter and castles threatening her. Uh, and, and just after she comes clean, she's bullets ring out and she's completely gunned down. Foggy takes one in the shoulder, uh, and, and Reyes is dead. And so everything gets, gets kind of crazy there. And at that point, you know, the, the, there's nothing really to tell us. I mean, I kind of watching it was like, mm, I don't. That doesn't seem like Castle. Like after his whole bit of, yeah, I. It seemed after watching enough TV. I mean, it was definitely seemed like a misdirect. Like, yeah, it just doesn't really seem like the move. And and obviously, the next few examples of this make it even clearer. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> but again, it kind of fits his his mo, right? Where he's going after sure, people it's that possible, he definitely wronged them. You know, he. After the Irish, he just shot, you know, the whole place up. So, you know, the fact that bullets rang out and killed all these, you know, killed this person isn't, isn't. And then his whole outburst when they were arraigning him, you know, he, he, yeah. he pretty much said he's going to kill her. So, yeah, that's uh, true. So, so it, it, it doesn't leave much of the imagination at that point. Um, but then it's almost like too obvious. Right. When, when something on TV is too obvious, then, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's not true. <laughs> So Karen is at this point is on this crusade to prove that it wasn't Frank because she doesn't buy that it's Frank either. Right. Uh, so she kind of goes off and does her own thing. And the biggest, you know, the biggest centerpiece of this episode, because this is like a 10 minute sequence of the episode, mm-hmm. is Matt is at this point pissed off because he finds <laughs> out that the Punisher has escaped and he he knows that he was put in cell block D. Foggy said something about the Punisher was put in cell block D. Matt knows that. The kingpin was was in cell block D, mm-hmm. and so he's starting to kind of put two and two together. Yeah, too big of a coincidence to not yeah. to not be the case. Uh, so Matt goes to pay Wilson Fisk a visit, and this scene is probably one of the greatest scenes in the two Amazing. episodes uh, so far, uh, because Matt sits down and he starts to kind of tell Wilson how things are going to be. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to see, you know, Vanessa's never coming back. And if you, I can, you know, with $6 worth of postage and a, and a piece of paper, I can make it so you'll never see her again. Yeah. And, you know, he goes through this whole bit of you're not leaving New York because New York is you and Vanessa can't come back because, you know, of how things are. And he starts going through this whole thing and then Fisk just loses it. He snaps yeah. his cuffs, which was awesome. Amazing. Oh my God. So, yeah. So good. And he grabs Matt and slams him down on the table two or three times. 
and then they just have this like in your face both of them exchange where fisk is like i am going to ruin both of you and yeah it's like no it wasn't foggy it was because he even calls him out by name like his full his full name Uh, yeah and he's like no it wasn't foggy it was me and he's like no 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 no. i am going to ruin both of you yeah Uh, yeah which um I, i mean again i think this is uh there was a lot of allusions to fisk finding out that matt's daredevil yeah i felt like in this scene i mean there's he he definitely is taken aback for a minute when he you know when matt punches him um i i think he sort of is like oh there's a little more to him than meets the eye yeah and obviously this the is, boxer's son yeah right and then obviously the only other time they interacted which he mentions is in the art gallery when matt right. was sort of like doing recon on fisk and then every other time they interacted was he was daredevil but i mean the thing to me is the first time they ever spoke after that was that scene they were on the phone um the scene where daredevil's right. in the warehouse and, right and so they're on the phone so to me it wouldn't be very difficult at all for fisk to figure this out i mean he meets this guy the, you know this lawyer who he's already had run-ins with then he hears this guy on the phone so he's not distracted by a guy in a mask or a blind right. guy or anything he's just hearing his voice and then he interacts with him a bunch as Daredevil, and then here comes this lawyer again, like being, you know, seeming a lot tougher than a blind lawyer ought to be. And then Fisk is like, I'm going to like look into your whole life and like ruin you. So to me, it's like it'll take him about five minutes of, of research to be like, oh, this is the same guy. <laughs> yeah, and every time I see this guy, he looks like he's had his ass handed to him. Exactly. So. Why does this blind lawyer like constantly have cuts all over his face? He's a fighter, he's a boxer. You know, I keep interacting with these two two characters who it can't be a coincidence that Matt Murdock and Daredevil keep like hounding me. And yeah. oh, by the way, they sound exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't use a voice modulator or anything like this is the same guy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, very definitely an, an exciting and intense scene. And even though Matt's kind of a badass at first, I definitely think Fisk. Uh, walks away the winner of that confrontation yeah and, and again i enjoy the fisk of season two way more than the Sisk fisk of season one i, I feel like this is much more the punisher or the kingpin uh, in season yeah. two and the way he's going about things so i, yeah. I just thought that was just extremely mm-hmm. powerful that he asserted himself over over matt in that in that yeah. sequence yeah i appreciated them building him up in season one and like showing some vulnerability because it got us to sort of sympathize with him a little bit but I, I definitely like him being more like confident and more in his own element yeah. and, you know, knowing what he wants and not, you know, there's less scenes of him seeming like he's about to cry. Exactly. <laughs> than yes. There were in season one. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's uh, definitely a cool and unexpected. Like we said last week that, that there was sort of so much characterization of him this season. Yeah. Uh, that was surprising. So yeah, I, I would not be surprised if he is one of, the uh, big bads and the defenders. I'm thinking, yeah, that that's the whole bit with the defenders is he, mm-hmm. he finally has his comeuppance and pulls everybody together to take these guys down. Yeah. And I would imagine that he'll, I would imagine that whoever they fight will probably be people that he pulls together. You know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls in, you know, bullseye and maybe a couple other bad guys or something or, you know, something like that. And 
and makes them, you know, he stops fighting himself and just, you know, starts being the kingpin and like pulls in all these, you know, other super criminals to, to do whatever he does. And that's what the defenders have to fight. So, yeah. Uh, then the the only other couple things in this episode that were really kind of worthy of note are the Karen and the, and the editor guy, they go to, they find the doctor's been shot very similar to how Reyes was shot. So he was killed. Karen goes back to her apartment and then she's attacked in her apartment, but Frank is able to get her undercover mm-hmm. and there it's, it's plainly obvious. You know, she knows there's somebody shooting at her with, you know, high power automatic weapons and Frank is right there. So obviously it's not him that's doing mm-hmm. it. Um, and, and so that kind of gets her to understand that, okay, this guy is, uh, you, you know, he, there, there's, there's just like I thought there is more to him that needs to be talked about yeah, and looked into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other bit is back at the hospital. So foggy's in the hospital, you know, the, the, the people that were having their blood sucked out from, uh, from, from the the the, the Yakuza hand. and the yeah. hand are in the hospital. So Matt's kind of staking out on the roof of the hospital because he knows that uh, that they're coming and right they're going to come for those kids right and and the fact that Foggy's there too and right. so him and and Claire kind of have a nice exchange up in the hospital where she basically tries to tell him, look, come off your high horse, don't be such a martyr. Your friends down there, mm-hmm. you know, you need to kind of act like a normal person and not be this yeah. crazy. I thought she was going to get him. I thought she, yeah. thought she almost convinced. It was, yeah. it convinced me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, Rosario Dawson is one of the like best things. One of the best decisions like that, you know, daredevil made casting Agreed. her. So. Agreed. So it was really cool that that scene. And then of course, but he's it, still stubborn and doesn't, yeah, he's still, he's still mad. No, I have to be alone. You know, he yeah. pulls an Oliver queen and <laughs> has to go it alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so frustrating. Yeah. So of course, then the hand detect hospital. I guess the other bit is Electra decides at this point she's going to bail. And oh yeah, yeah. There's kind of a cutaway. Yeah. And so she's in this private hangar in the airport at the bar, and this guy comes mm-hmm. up to her, and then attacks her, and she thinks it's the hand, and it turns out it's Stick. So yeah. at this point, Stick realizes she's a liability, and she's got to go. Mm-hmm. And she Which takes. We this... don't. We still don't totally know why right. that's the case right that right. he wants to just kill her just because she left but we right. guess can assume he's just a dick and <laughs> yeah. that's just what he does but... yeah exactly uh i so... guess we know i mean i guess you know obviously we know that it's because he you know thinks she's a threat right right but that hasn't been you know revealed in this episode yet right yeah we got we got a couple more before that happens uh, but this is where she gets her size. You know, the guy attacks her yes. with a couple size and she takes him from him, kills the guy. I was wondering when that was, was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so but, she, yeah, that was a, that was a cool moment. Like she needs those, needs those weapons. Yeah. And then just like we got hand ninjas jumping across rooftops. We, at the end of this episode, in the beginning of the next episode, we get hand ninjas that are scaling uh, yes, walls. Very and cool stuff. shot. Yeah. So really, really well done. Um, mm-hmm. So the next episode, episode 11, 380, which I thought was a really cool title to the episode. Uh, again, we pick up with the hospital fight, and and that kind of continues on, continues on. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's like, you know, dot 380 referencing like a 38 caliber. Yeah, a gun. There's a gun. Yeah, which a, they, you know, talk about. Yeah, they talk know, about the 380 in the, in the. Karen's, the gun Karen has. In the diner, yeah. 
Which, are we assuming that's the same gun she took from Wesley? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, because, yeah, that that, that was a, a point. In the previous episode, when she goes back to her, her room and starts hearing things, she grabs the gun right. out of the and drawer. in movies and TV shows, like, if a character ever gets, like, a gun for a special reason, that's the only gun they'll ever have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can assume that she just... It's like you can't just get a gun anywhere like you can in real life. It's like yeah. that's a special gun from a special moment. Yeah. She'll always have that gun. Yeah. And so it, that was it was a, another cool scene too where Frank and and her are at the diner and he's mm-hmm. going on and talking about his wife and you know how he misses the fact that you know his his wife was, you know, could hurt him. And even though that sounds like a terrible thing for him, it's he misses that. Like he misses the fact that He'll never be able to have, you know, to feel the way he felt when he was yeah. with his wife. And... Yeah, it was a, it was an odd uh, interpretation of, of of a relationship, I thought. But, yeah, yeah. But, you know, inter- interesting. Yeah. But uh, I was like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and then he goes through that diatribe, like you said, about the gun, where he says, oh, most people, you know, find the shiniest, best-looking thing there is out right. there. and. You know, they find a big hand cannon that, you know, smacks them in the head the first time they shoot it. And, you know, that if somebody picks a 380, it's, you know, by choice. And, you know, he goes through that whole bit about why they picked that gun. And it's funny because mm-hmm. Karen didn't pick that gun. That gun was exactly was thrust it's, upon her, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And then you think back to Wesley and it's like, OK, that fits perfectly. That's the kind of, per- you know, Wesley is a thinker. Wesley is somebody right. that, uh, you know, that that would that would go down that route. So it was really mm-hmm. kind of cool to show. Uh, right, like a piece of Wesley is now a piece of her, yeah. almost too. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, again, R.I.P. Wesley. Yeah, I know, great, man. Oh, he's on character. the show Billions, and he's really good on that show too. Uh, Toby Leonard Moore, he's he's really yeah. good on that show. Um, but yeah, so the, the whole thing in the in the diner was interesting because then, of course, you know, the guys come in and then they they go to attack them, and uh, you Karen runs for cover. And she starts to kind of become horrified with who he is. Like, she yeah, wants to finally. feel. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, she, to some degree, she understands why he does what he does. She's so, mm-hmm. somewhat sympathetic to the fact that, oh, he, he was also shot in the head. But as time goes by, and we'll see even in the in the next episode, she's learning more about who Frank is and that this is more a part of her his nature than she thought it was. Uh, right, and I think she's she's this is the first time she's experiencing it firsthand like the horror yeah. of what he does you know arguably since the hospital thing but it's like she forgot about that that was before she knew frank and i think in her head again we, we talked about this last week but she's in some way trying to like i think she wants to believe that he's redeemable because it'll convince her that she's redeemable um yeah but yeah, i think exactly. now she's realizing like okay i'm the, we're nothing alike. <laughs> yeah, my my situation was a I was put in a in an untenable situation that I had to make a life or death decision with. Exactly. And it's not like it's not traumatic, but right. this guy is literally just like just murdering, destroying people left and right indiscriminately almost and he relishes it as yeah. well. Yeah. He's not just like doing a job or protecting himself. He's just like he likes doing this. So Yeah. That throws that throws a lot of the morality of it out the window. So yeah. 
Um, it, Claire quits the hospital because the hospital's trying to kind of keep things hush hush and yeah, that was a weird little side arc. Yeah, so I'm... I guess just motivation for her to you know, hey, I got to move out of town and head up to Harlem. <laughs> yeah, to that's what I was gonna say. Meet I, Luke Cage. <laughs> I guess this is the impetus for her to to yeah. be someplace else. I mean, we could assume that she's always had a terrible time at that hospital. Like, she obviously does more work than they give her credit for. Right, right. But so it was fine for her to move on. But the whole the whole little cover up thing just felt like a weird shoved in like story arc just to like make it even more so that she had to like leave yeah. in like a heroic fashion. You know, like I won't stand for this. So yeah, and I wonder if this is just their way of turning her into what we know of as the night nurse, just somebody that on the side. You know, takes jobs patching people up that. Right. You know, I, I think so. Because before she did it, like, she didn't really want to, but it's like, right. Ugh, like, and now it's almost like, yeah, now she almost has like a, like an axe to grind mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. people who would like stop her from doing that. So, yeah, maybe it was just to give her a sort of melodramatic, you know, larger than life reason to like want to do these things. So, I, yeah, I suppose that's, that's fine. It just, it was one of many storylines this season that I felt like there was only so much time and they just kind of were like, Oh, by the way, here's a storyline all of a sudden and, and it's resolved and now it's over. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, not like a, not like a big glaring thing, but right. You know, we've never met any of these other hospital characters all of a sudden. And they're just like, (laughs) yeah, the administrator, her boss, yeah, (laughs) confidant. And then, yeah, it was just like, Ooh. And then the person who died, it's like, do we know her? I don't know. So yeah, it was a little, little odd, but, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, until we get a, I guess we'll never get the spinoff, you know, Karen working in a hospital show. So, <laughs> or uh, Claire, sorry. Claire, yeah. Um, so I guess that was like the mini version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Matt goes to Chinatown after, uh, he, he kind of, he, he's kind of able to get some information and goes to Chinatown and comes across Madame Gao, which I thought mm-hmm. it was, I was happy to see Madame Gao again. Yeah, I, I was hoping I was hoping she'd pop up, and she did. Yeah, she's painting still, still painting, and they kind of have an interesting conversation. And she leads him to the docks, which right Frank is led to the docks. Right, uh, he's looking for blacksmith. Oh, well, I guess they're both looking. They're technically both looking for the blacksmith. Yeah, right. Sort of for I guess maybe different reasons, but maybe I guess no, I guess not. It, it all comes back to the heroine because they they're... right because Tower tells Daredevil yeah he elaborates after the shooting he kind of elaborates on on the blacksmith and who he was and this whole heroin thing right. and then of course who knows heroin better than Madame Gao and the blacksmith was basically like her rival in the heroin game and right and so yeah that's why that's why she's that's why he tracks her down yeah and so they both kind of end up at the docks and. Frank gets there first and really gets the captain of the ship and thinks he's the blacksmith mm-hmm. and you know t- basically starts torturing this guy into admitting he's the blacksmith and Matt obviously hears it from very far away so he's frantically trying to get to him because he knows that that's not the blacksmith right uh, and then they have the cool bit where he he gets in there and he picks up that hammer and throws it at at Frank's hand to knock the gun out, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And he tells him, look, I know when people are lying and this guy's, this guy is lying, you know, he's lying. He's, he's, he's not the blacksmith. Right. Um, Especially because that wouldn't be very exciting. Like some random guys. Yeah. Some random dude is the blacksmith. No. Yeah. Too easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But before all this, Frank is 
basically set the place on fire. And... Yeah. Yeah, dousing the whole ship in, in uh, gasoline. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. And so the the episode kind of ends with, with uh, you know, the, the cops start showing up and everything's kind of going to going down south with uh, with this boat. So mm-hmm. um, the other bit we get is does it does it does it blow up by the end of the episode? No, it's at the uh, I think it's the beginning of the next okay, episode. And Karen shows up, too, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the bit we get at the end is is with. Um, with stick. Where he goes through, opens up this locker, pulls this artifact-looking thing out of it, which I, I, again, more cryptic, what does all this mean kind of stuff yeah. going on, and tells his two little underlings to to go get everybody else that we're, you know, we're going to have to do this do this on our own. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, stick to the plan. Like, take this and remember to stick to the plan because stick is going to kind of go on and do his own thing. Right, which... Again, we never, we don't really ever see much of the chase. No, it's Stick and these two, you know, these two guys, and obviously they're not involved anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, Electra, uh, thanks to Electra. Yeah, Electra. They get in the car. Electra kills him before going into Stick. The one guy's not dead, and he ends up showing up at Matt's place. Uh, right. That was a kind of a crazy. That's yeah, the opening like, of the next episode, right? Uh, yeah, that's the beginning. Driving of the, next episode. the yeah, there's, yeah, car half dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, she, he's going after it. It's like, man, he made it a long way. Yeah. Oh, no, the boat does blow up at the end of the episode because they think the Punisher, at the, the Karen shows right. up, they think the Punisher's dead. Yeah, the, the right. boat does catch think, fire. Yeah, and the next one is sort of the police, like, pulling bodies out. Right. And it's like the next day, or, you know, it's like the morning. Next morning, yeah. Yeah. So that's 380. Uh, so the next episode, uh, second to the last, episode 12, uh, Dark at the End of the Tunnel. Uh and I, this episode was really, really well done. And one of the things mm-hmm. I wanted to point out, Matthew and I were talking um, before we started recording, is this episode was directed by somebody named Euros Lin, and he's from the UK, and he's been directing TV for like twenty years. Um, and he's done he he did uh, an episode last year called "The Ones We Leave Behind" for Daredevil. Uh, he's done a ton of of mostly British TV stuff: Doctor Who, Torchwood, um, uh, Broadchurch, Happy Valley, Sherlock, Sherlock. Yeah, um, so just a bunch of mostly British TV. Uh, but there was some really, really well done stuff I thought with, and for for somebody who obviously has a prolific career, but I really haven't um, honestly paid much attention to. Yeah, it's not a name that we recognize. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Again, I thought there was some really cool stuff with this one, you know, especially the stuff with the sewer where they yeah. show Matt going down the sewer and the camera angles from up above as he's coming down the manhole uh, and then kind of like, you know, a hero shot where they go out and wide and Matt drops down in the hero pose and yeah. the light <laughs> is coming right down into the into the sewer from the from the sewer cap yeah. and stuff. It, the, was, it just was really cool visually. The coolest right? shot of a guy standing in human waste. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> he can look cool any in any situation. That's right. The hero pose just makes anything look good, you know. Yes, yes. You're you're standing even in landing in toilet water it looks cool. <laughs> uh, but the but the bulk of this episode is really the Electra backstory. So finally, we get to see what yes. her deal is, uh, and for the most part, it's we find that Stick has come across her 
uh, Electra at a very young age and is training her to fight and finds out that she is extremely gifted in the art of of fighting and mm-hmm. uh, is pretty savage about it too. Yeah, and we see her her aforementioned first kill. Yeah. Um which, you know, she's I think she says she's 12 when that happens. So yeah. uh yeah, pretty brutal. And then we you know learn that there's something mysterious about her which I guess by the end of the episode we know what that mysterious thing is. Yeah. You know, and and obviously this is Stick, and you know, with the chase, and we find one of the other members who's kind of watching him train her, mm-hmm. and in the end, he feels like she needs to go. Like she can't stay here; she's too dangerous. She needs to be dealt with, mm-hmm. uh, and Stick isn't having any of it. So he literally slits this guy's throat. Uh, yeah, while she's in a cage. Yeah, while she's in a cage. She's in like a dog cage. Yeah. Which... Again, some weird, weird yeah. choices there. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Stick is they kind not of... not treat Electra well, I'll say Yeah. That. But at that point, Stick has kind of dug his line in the sand when it comes, to, I guess, to the chase and when, where he fits. So Electra uh-huh. has to go. Uh, and it's almost but like... He I, won't, but he won't kill her. But he won't kill her, right. And it's almost like he hides her in plain sight kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so he he finds the, these Greek diplomats, the Nachioses, and... They can't have any children of their own, so he, I'm assuming he, gives gives her to them, uh, so she has kind of a good life and is is well taken care of, and and it's kind of I guess you could say maybe by them being rich diplomats, it it would make it pretty difficult for people to like come after her. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, she's in the spotlight. She's got you know presumably some protection around her. Right. Plus, obviously, she can you know fight for herself. Right. So it's going to be difficult for people to try and like kill her. And it also explains why this Asian-looking child uh has has a Greek last name. So Right. Yeah, it was a good little way to Yeah, it was kind of kind of a neat, neat cast her but still, you know, have her be, you know, quote unquote, you know, Greek. Right. Uh so yeah, so we kind of get that's kind of her origin. She was basically trained from a small child to work for Stick and then assuming at some point when she became an adult and the heat came off, Stick went back to her and um, you know, brought her back in because we'll find out later that you yeah. know or we found out you know she was an assignment. You know, she, she stick specifically had her you know target Matt and uh, right, which was still ten years ago. But yeah, so it's, yeah. at some point when she's like a teenager, he like comes back and right, you know, or she's college age or whatever. You know, well, her father, back and, yeah, and her father is is killed. Like they talk about her, her parents are dead, and you know, we never really see. We never really kind of get the scoop on that. Yeah, they don't they don't delve into that. Which I'm assuming probably has something to do with who Electra is more so than who they are. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, who knows if they were killed, you know, by the chase or by the hand or we don't it's kind of weird because if she's this um you know, if she's the black sky this whole time, it is strange that for you know, I, I maybe 20 years or something, however old she's supposed to be that nobody's been able to like track her down or she hasn't been confronted with this before. Yeah. Even though she's been, you know, kind of obvious, it's not like she changed her name. I mean, how many people are named Electra? Exactly. So that are, you know, ninjas and so, (laughs) and also Asian, but named Electra, which is, you know, a Greek name anyway. Right. Which was a nice, you know, coincidence (laughs) on her part. But so it was, um, yeah, again, just more of the sort of vague backstory that we're not really 
we, we still don't really know how all the black sky hand chase stuff really works. I mean, it's, again, there's a lot of, um, maybe I don't want to say plot holes, but things that we've yet to be, you know, have yet to be explained to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll, you know, they kind of whittle all of this, uh, this backstory in throughout the episode, but, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much the gist of it is we see her, yeah. you know, her kind of go through this training and, and get sent off to the Nachioses. Um, Matt shows back up at, at before the sewer thing, Matt shows back up at Nelson and Murdoch. And this is kind of when it's like foggy's like, yeah, we're done. Like we're right. Nelson and Murdoch is no more. I'm moving on. You know, I'm not going to ask you to stay. That yeah. kind of thing, uh, and that really doesn't resolve itself. Uh, no, no, season. they, they, no, they do not end uh, on good terms at all. In fact, it, I think that's the last time the two of them interact. Right? I don't think they. Uh, the next time is the, on the phone. He calls. He calls Matt on the phone. Um, because Mahoney in the next episode, because Mahoney got right, beat up, right. and you, right, you know, but and, that's sort of a. It, it definitely doesn't change anything one way or another right, about their right. friendship. Though they I, I guess they end slightly I guess you could say they end slightly on good terms again because you know Foggy does kind of help him figure out about the whole you know where the hand is, the whole sewer thing. He's basically the one who leads him to the the sewer lines. Right, right. Um by mentioning like the abandoned railroad lines and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then, you know, the next episode is him sort of like helping him out. So you know he's almost like actually kind of even though they're they're on the outs as friends because of him being daredevil oddly the final two interactions they have are him kind of almost being a sidekick to daredevil right right so as much as he hates the daredevil aspect he actually helps him be daredevil more than he is willing to be a friend of to matt so yeah kind of interesting way for them to end things yeah um but matt's able to he's going after stick so he's he he finds the hand starts to attack him, and then we get this really cool bit where um, Stick is talking to him in whispers because he knows Matt's there, and he knows if he whispers, Matt will be able to hear him. Yeah, and you know, yeah, talking. yeah, because Matt's Matt's um, the, the hand realizes he's tracking their swords. Yeah, because he can't track their heartbeat, so he's tracking their swords, and this is where they figure out like, oh, that's what he's doing. So they drop their swords. Yep. Um. So now you know they're again, the umbrage I'll take with this, and I've actually seen some other, like, there's an AV Club reviewer who continually notes this, that they use Matt's super hearing, but they almost always completely ignore his sense of smell. So it's, you know, in theory, wouldn't he be able to just smell these people? Maybe that doesn't tell you right where they are, but, you know, it's, I I felt like the show leans a little too much on his hearing and doesn't use, you know, in the comics, he's, he could even sense, you know, sort of vibrations in the air and in the ground, and yeah, they always even kind just of... sense people close to him, which is which is something we can do as well. Just we're not super in tune to it, but you know, yeah, our bodies can sort of sense proximity to other objects, um, even yeah. when we're not looking at them. They always kind of refer to it as like a radar sense in the in the comics, where he, <laughs> right, you know, when things hear when he hears things, it, that, right. That's kind Whereas of... in the show, I feel like they lean just a lot. They lean on his hearing a lot, right, right, and then they only it's only when it's a specific plot device that they lean on any of his other senses, you know, right. like if there's a specific reason for him to do the smell, they lean on it. But 
it's like when he's in a crunch, it's like if he can't hear, he's screwed. That's all he's got is hearing. Right, <laughs> so, right. Uh, but it was, again, cool for him to be picking up Sticks Whispers from however far away that was. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty neat. The one thing, and I rewinded this back, actually, to make sure I, I heard this right. But what Stick told him is, is you know, he said about the weapons that, the, mm-hmm. you know, that they put them down. And then he says the um, it gets the heart tracking the heartbeats gets tough. So, and he specifically said that he said tracking the heartbeats gets tough. So he mm. almost made it seem like it's not that they their hearts not beating like they're dead, almost as if they are either suppressing it to the point where it's inaudible or or you know right. the beats are so slow he said tough he didn't say impossible so right. maybe it's I, just that you know their heartbeat you know they've been able to have control over their body to the point where the heart beats like once every you know 10 beats or something like that and you can't you know zone in on that or whatever but yeah i i think i guess it's safe to assume that you know nobu's the only resurrected one and right. that all the all the hand ninjas aren't you know zombies right. like in the comics so um but again, you know, they, the, you know, the fact that we're still wondering about this is, you know, because they don't really explain it yeah, all exactly. that well. Exactly. But, um, um, but yeah, so he's able to track them by breath at that point, and he's, uh, once which again, again, that if they're breathing, I guess we can assume that means they're alive. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then, so they, you know, they get into this fight, Electra shows up, and, uh, that's when we kind of get this whole bit with Nobu where he says, we serve the black sky. You know, they talk about the black sky and then there's a lot of discussion, uh, you know, about what the black sky is and how it's, you know, the, the black sky is meant to lead the hand and they kind of perceive mm-hmm. the black sky as this, um, you know, mythical, you know, almost uh, supernatural leader that, that mm-hmm. imbues them with power just by the fact that she's in charge. Um, but she's also dangerous and has the ability to, uh, to to bring about the end to them. So that's mm. that's kind of what the whole bit is: why they want to keep her, why the chaste is looking to kill her at the end because they feel like, okay, if we can't control her and she goes off the rails, right, and, and she switches sides, then she's completely unbeatable. Like the right. the whole the hand black sky, the whole nine yards will you know, kind of envelop the earth and darkness kind of, kind of. Thing. Right. And that's, and you know, so that's basically why sick was trying to have her killed. Is right. Cause he's like, okay, she's, you know, when I had her, you know, when she was basically my, you know, daughter, quote unquote, it was, um, you know, I felt like I had a hold on her, but now that she's kind of like left me, he, he's like, okay, now she's, you know, now we have no hope. We have to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they go through that whole bit. Electra has a bit of a change of heart, and they end up fighting each other. But then immediately, a change of heart back. Right, right, yeah, yeah, she, she, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She has a she quickly joins the hand, and then immediately is against the hand. Yeah, and yeah. doesn't want to kill Stick anymore. Which yeah, it was kind I, of. I, I've watched that a few times, and I tried to find the moment, but it. I I do feel like that. I wasn't really ever convinced like both both times she switches her allegiances very quickly, you know, in the same with stick. I I think this is the disadvantage of the binge watch, uh, because if this was weekly episodic and they spread this out a little bit, it maybe wouldn't have felt 
Right, they could much. have ended with the re- the episode could have ended with the reveal that like you're the black sky, and they all like bow down to her, and then it's right. like what? And yeah, then <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a week to be like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. But uh, but this with the whole binge watch, it's when when plot developments happen very quickly. Uh, yeah, it, it tends to make it seem a little unnatural. And yeah, we forget that we're used to watching TV week to week and not you know seven episodes yeah. in a night. So and yeah, so it's like you're the black sky. And she's like, of course, this is my place. And then Matt's like, no, it's not. And she's like, you're right. <laughs> and also, you shouldn't kill a stick. Yeah, you're right. And it's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's where we're going. But. <laughs> uh. So that it, it kind of ends well. Their their part of the story ends with you know the, them getting getting stick out and and making right. their escape from the hand. Um, so while this is going on, uh, the other big part of the story is Karen has a has a talk with their, her editor, uh, you know, about the story. They think the Punisher's dead, and so she's like, "Well, there goes my story." And mm-hmm. and the editor's like, "No, no, 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 no. You've got a deadline. I want a story by Sunday. You need to figure it out." It, you know, it, it, it's it's not, you know, you need to, there's a story here, you need to find it. Yeah. And so she wants to write about Matt, or about Frank and who he is and who he was. And so she decides that she can go talk to um, Schoonover. Yeah. And uh, so she goes and talks to him and, you know, she's trying to kind of figure out who Frank is. And he talks a lot about who he was as a person, bef- you know, before his family was killed and, and everything and, uh, you know, they talk about, you know, what happened at the docks and, um, you know, she said, oh, they were pulling bodies out all morning and she sees a picture on the wall and yep. the picture of this guy that has this, you know, he, he was injured in battle and it's Frank and Schoonover and this guy. And, uh, it's the same guy that she saw them pulling out of the water mm-hmm. uh, earlier. So she, and started... she does the thing where she freezes for much too long in the middle yes. of a sentence which always means the bad guy just figured out that you figured it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, okay. She poorly recovers from it, and it's like, oh, no, you should have just been like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, so she's like, oh, I've got to go all of a sudden. Yeah, like, all of a sudden oh, I'm flustered no, and have to leave. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Schoonover obviously figures it out, um, takes her at gunpoint out to her car. She gets in and blaring is that song on the radio. And so at that point that Punisher's like said he loved yes, previously when they're yes. like in a car together. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. So at this point, Karen knows, okay, Frank's here somewhere. And so they do this real cool thing where they're driving, you know, he tells her to drive, you know, and they're driving on, I guess on his property or whatever. And she's, they do a real good job of like shooting it from her perspective where she's looking constantly looking around because she mm-hmm. knows he's here somewhere. Um, right. And then, of course, the Punisher being the Punisher uh, slams into her car, <laughs> T-bones her car to take off. Yeah, the best way to save Karen is to crash a truck into her car. Yeah, and, and you know, give her a concussion at, at Right, at there's best. no other way I could have, you know, sniped this guy or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so but. this is kind of what seals the deal with Karen and Frank is right. he pulls Schoonover out. Um, and I guess we can say that he's the blacksmith. Like, yeah, at this point, yes, he is the blacksmith. And a lot of this orchestration of what was done, you know, they even kind of talk about the fact that Schoonover feels like Frank betrayed him because after the war was over, you know, all of the other people in his unit kind of came 
to his side and Matt did or right. Frank didn't and basically selling like Afghani heroin. Yeah, yeah. That they smuggled into the country, which yeah. is how they have like the best heroin. They're like they have this exclusive like trade on this Middle Eastern heroin line and he's got his whole old, you know, military crew to join in with him and right. uh except Frank who is like no. Yeah. So it's kind of coincidence, but not coincidence that Frank was there that day. And it, oh, and Schoonover almost makes it sound like uh, it wasn't an accident that Frank and his family were taken out. Right, which um, is, again, a little convoluted because how could he possibly – Yeah. I guess maybe you could argue that he picked the spot as the spot where he knew they would be, but that's a lot of uh, orchestration. Yeah, and you would think if – Just to kill a guy. And, and if Frank knew that – he Schoonover was dealing with something when this whole bit with the with the blacksmith right. came up. Wouldn't Frank have thought, "Oh, it's probably Schoonover"? Right. Because... I'm I'm assuming that falls under the memory loss he's sort of experiencing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but that, that again, that's another thing they don't make clear. Like he he makes it seem as if he propositioned Frank. Yes. Like, hey, yes. want to sell heroin with me? So it's right again when he meets this. You know, I mean, he says he's a good character witness. He sees him in court. Like none of these things remind him and yeah and the whole thing of um it also doesn't really add up why he helps frank out like why he gives him a good character witness and all these things like it's never really clear i i thought why why is he helping frank maybe because he knew his name he knows too that there's no way out for him like no matter no matter what i do this guy's either going to spend his life in a nut house or he's going to spend it in a jail cell like right and i guess it takes the blame off of him right the only thing i'm going to do is be able to make it so he doesn't get the death penalty um right and yeah and then take suspicion off him like this guy doesn't have an axe to grind you know if he's willing to to you know say positive things he's obviously there's there's no bad blood there so right and you could i mean he was just sort of just telling the truth so it's just it's always easy to just you know not add any more lies into the mix so right right it's just like oh yeah this is what happened um i've got no reason to lie um but but so he he goes to take schoonover out and karen tells him like flat out don't do this. You're better than this. If you do this, there's no, we're done. I, there's no coming back for you if you kill him. Um, and he takes, takes him in his little shack. Right. Which is almost more of like Karen. It's more of Karen being like, I'm, I'm done trying to like save you or whatever. Yes. Because it's, because on Frank's end, I I had to say, it's like when she makes that ultimatum in my mind, I'm thinking, why he's not going to care. Like, I mean, yeah, he's kind of hung out with you and been interested and, who you are, but it's clear that like Karen, the the relationship meant way more to Karen than it's ever meant to Frank. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So, so her ultimatum to me was more like her, you know, she's more like arguing with herself, you know, like, you know, this is, this is the final line of me trying to convince myself that you're a good person. And to Frankie's just, it's just like, well, I'm not, you know, this isn't an ultimatum for me. Like, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, leave. I don't, (laughs) I never asked you to, be involved with me in the first place and frank probably feels like she's better off without oh 100%. him as well you know plus he, this is the culmination of like everything he's been working i mean he's sure killed all sorts of people like he's not all of a sudden gonna be like you know what you're right <laughs> like, yeah yeah this I'm guy that orchestrated this guy. all this stuff yeah, this is yeah if anything he's the one who deserves it more than anybody that frank's killed so far right right so it's sort of like yeah i don't that's that's that ultimatum isn't much of a choice for him but yeah so of course Frank shoots him, 
and Karen just kind of has this breakdown. She goes back to where the car is and, and just kind of loses it. Yeah. Um, Which, then, you know, she's had a rough couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, been, it's, not, yeah, it's not been an easy uh, time for the life of Karen Page. No. Um, but the coolest thing is Frank finds his arsenal. He does. Uh, he finds his, his schoonover has, has some pretty cool weapons. Yeah. Including a, a, like a Vulcan minigun. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's and uh, you know the body armor that already kind of looked like a skull. Yeah. So yeah. which is cool. And yeah, now now if only he had some spray paint handy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's next episode. Frank gets a can of spray paint. Yeah, that's the teaser for the next episode. It's funny <laughs> we do, we do um, the Walking Dead podcast with uh, Aaron Newworth, who um, is a movie reviewer and a writer and stuff, and so he'll. He'll uh, do real cryptic spoilers for like the next episodes of TV show, like the Americans. He'll be like this week's spoiler for the Americans, and it'll be something like, "Yeah, Frank Fryan finds a can of paint." You know, it'll just be something right. Like that. that's, so, that's that's really what, funny. It's basically like how Mad Men would do its teasers. <laughs> yes, you know, and uh, I would love like the AV Club reviews of Mad Men. They'd always end with like. Uh, some, you know, next episode of Mad Men, someone opens a door, <laughs> yeah. you know, someone sits in a couch and, and that's literally what the te- which I loved about Matt. I love that it would do that. Yeah. I love how cryptic it would make it. Cause it's a show that doesn't need to be cryptic whatsoever, but yeah, yeah every like next on it's like people, sh- you know, there's always someone shaking hands and <laughs> s- s- you know, s- sit, close down, the door and sit close down, the, yeah, close the door, <laughs> sit down. And, and it's just like, yeah, those are those are really fun ways to tease something, like yeah. just something that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, just some <laughs> cryptic phrase. Um, yeah, so that's that's where we end with that. Uh, so the final episode, episode thirteen, a cold day in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Good um, title. Yeah, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so it starts out where we we get this the, again, this mysterious tomb or whatever you want to call it coffin sarcophagus right um, yeah whatever, whatever big stone jug I don't, I don't know what 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 this means but there's a new yeah, player maybe it's an infinity stone who knows yeah yeah uh there's a new player in town so this this female shows up and um hands nobu basically tells nobu look we got all this information you wanted and mm-hmm. you know we've identified 20 targets which one do you want us to take out because he realizes one of the things Nobu says at the end is is the Punisher must die, so he's he's got it all on for the Punisher. Daredevil or Daredevil, sorry, yeah, sorry, Daredevil must die. Uh, so it turns out that this list is the twenty people that Daredevil has saved over the course course of his interactions. Because, mm-hmm. like we mentioned a little bit ago, Mahoney gets beat up and. W- was forced to give information. They had his mother. He calls Foggy. Foggy calls Matt. Right. You know, and says basically, look, this isn't Matt. Uh, this is Dare- like they're looking into Daredevil and they're, they're not looking into you. And we owe Mahoney. Like Mahoney has given us everything and been right. a good friend to us. We, we, and you especially owe it to him. So, uh, so Matt goes up and, and deals with Mahoney. And that's when he finds out that this, you know, he said, we, there's two things we keep very, you know, good track of is the people you put away and the people you've saved, you know, just basically the paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're really good at keeping track of the paperwork. Right. And um, so he tells Matt it's the 20 people that, you know, there, there's a list of, tw- of people he saved. And so obviously Matt knows now that those people are in danger. Um, yeah, and I will, I guess if we're assuming those are all people he saved that have filed, like, police reports, why was Turk there? Or maybe, well, did he say saved explicitly, or did he say 
Yeah, I guess we're to infer that it's just people he's interacted with. I'm guessing, yeah. But why the, the one thing about Turk is and I mean it, you know, I it almost just felt like a contrived way to like throw him in there because yeah. why there's no version of any police report that would cuz the whole point was like they want to lure him there. Right. With people that he pot- potentially cares about. Yeah. So why bring Turk who is someone who according to police reports, would show that Matt's put him in jail multiple times. I mean, apparently he put him in jail earlier in the, a couple weeks ago, and he's already out. Yeah. You know, because, like, the, the first time he interacts, he basically says, like, he basically knocks him out and makes it seem like, you know, you're about to go to jail again, and I'll see you whenever you get out, which apparently happens really quickly. He goes on parole. He gets an ankle thing. So I don't know. Maybe the the hands somehow were like I don't know I think Matt, I think Daredevil's got a soft spot for this guy <laughs> maybe so yeah even though he keeps arresting him yeah yeah which so again a... kind of fits with the comic because that you know the Turk always shows up and he's more a nuisance and Matt always seems to uh, go easier on him than anybody else right it, which means we have to ignore that the first time we ever met Turk he was you know involved in human trafficking <laughs> yeah, yeah so let's let's just for you know forget that whole thing <laughs> but, yeah it's a little yeah definitely a, a bit contrived and a little yeah little leap of faith with that right it was like all just so they could have someone with like an ankle monitor there yeah because yeah it's karen it's i, I guess the only people we recognize are turk karen and then the the old the old marine guy from from uh the punisher talks to on the roof right because right. Matt later sort of saves him during the Dogs of Hell fight. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so again, this all kind of leads to this big handoff of standoff with the hand. No handoff. That's pretty good. Handoff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the, one of the things that happens. Well, there's a couple of things that happens. One, Foggy meets with Hogarth. So we see Jaron Hogarth. Yes, has a job interview. Yeah. Which is cool. So she basically offers Foggy a job working at her and firm. a partnership, which was a pretty yeah. big. Like, yeah, it was a hell of a thing a in a job interview. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, hey, we'd like to hire you, and also, would you like your name in our firm? Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, I really like this guy. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. It's foggy, like, has his hair slicked back. He's wearing yeah. a suit. You know, this is she like... offers him a lot of money, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All under the, I, I will say, and I, I, I imagine this will come into play, but. She she seems to heavily push the idea that the cases he'll be working on will involve vigilantes. Yeah, and I'm I'm wondering if I'm wondering if she has some sort of suspicion about his involvement with Daredevil, and is I, almost maybe slightly using him. I would. Oh yeah, I totally believe that Hogarth is using him yeah. to be this either as a, as a as a propaganda tool to draw attention to the firm or to be able yes. to funnel work to him so if it goes south she has a scapegoat that she can cut loose yeah cuz it was it was laying it on too thick to be like yeah hey you want to be a partner it's like whoa that's something you don't just we know from mad men again that you don't just <laughs> yeah. you don't just offer anybody a partnership <laughs> yeah that is true uh and of course Matt takes Electra to go see Melvin and yes uh, that was a, like another great Melvin scene. Oh man, it was so good. You know, he gives him his new baton. Oh, so cool! Finally, is, yeah. So it's you know the very typical, comic worthy. Yeah, yeah. It comes apart and has the zip line in it, and, and yeah, you know, can be used as nunchucks. Can be used. The first time he uses it, he he uses it to kind of send the end of the baton out and then recoil it back, uh, which is yeah. really cool. Uh, so now all he needs to do is make a version that looks like a walking cane. 
Yes. So it'll not only be like the comics, but so every time Matt goes to chase after someone in his civvies, he doesn't have to keep tossing his walking canes into the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be be Baton 2.0. Yeah, 2.0, yeah. And then Melvin even makes a point, you know, the the purpose of his armor is for uh, the female version was for Betsy, (laughs) to protect Betsy. Right. Who again... You know, I've almost got this suspicion that there is no Betsy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've never met this Betsy. This fictional Betsy, yes. He's, this guy is always at work. When does he ever have time to hang out with Betsy? Yeah. He's always making Daredevil suit or Fisk suit or something. Yeah. But And then we also see a couple shots of, like, uh, his design for the gladiator armor. Yes. Which is who he is in the comics. He's got that poster um, on the on the back wall. It's right. like Gladiator in Spanish or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and then he's even got armor. He's wearing some armor underneath. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's like the Stiltman costume is in the background. Yeah. Which uh, we saw in season one, too. So, yeah, I definitely think, I think much like Claire Temple, Melvin's one of those characters that could easily pop up in multiple shows to be the person who, like, explain how these characters get, you know, their crazy outfits their gear yeah yeah even though i guess i guess none of the other characters we've really dealt with so far have any sort of you know none of the other defenders i guess would need any sort of specialized outfit but who knows yeah maybe jessica you know just something other than her jeans right. getting torn up all in her jacket getting torn up <laughs> right right i mean it could be i mean obviously luke doesn't really need yeah armor and you know danny's probably not going to wear armor but uh yeah who knows maybe misty knight or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or somebody will get something cool. Or, again, I still think the possibility of him, you know, someone, like, kidnapping Betsy and blackmailing him, and that'll be how he makes some... I, I assume he'll make some villain armor. Sure, Whether sure. he wants to or not at some point, so... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, all of this ends up in a big showdown uh, on the... You know, in this building, you know, the, the, him and Elektra try and get away. I mean, there's just a lot of really cool action sequences. Obviously, the finale, yeah. we're going to have a lot of a lot of really key action pieces. Um, you know, Elektra and Daredevil are pretty much at the point where they feel like they're they're done for. You know, they, they're, they're hopelessly outnumbered and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of backs against the wall kind of thing. And um, they once again sort of declare their love for each other, which yeah. is on again, off again, yeah. thanks to Matt. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, they have this big, huge showdown on the roof, and uh, uh, you know, get in, you know, start this huge fight. And uh, just when Nobu is about ready to do Matt in, Electra jumps in the way, and Nobu ends up stabbing Electra um, mm-hmm. with her own sigh, of course. Yes, uh, you know, again, very much with the comics, which uh, sets Matt off to go after Nobu, and yeah, and fling him off of a building <laughs> yeah that was with his newly found baton that was really yeah. cool the uh, second time he's basically killed nobu the third yes. time he you know the the first season and then you know we saw you know a couple episodes ago he throws nobu off of like a catwalk right right which would have killed him if he wasn't nobu right exactly so he keeps having no problem killing nobu <laughs> yeah because he knows he's not he's not probably not going to stay dead <laughs> Um, but at the same time, while this is going on, the Punisher is up on the roof across the across right. the way, and he's sniping out guys. Uh, yeah, I was wondering how they were going to bring him in. Well, we forgot to mention the oh, yes. little scene where, of course, he, he goes home. Frank goes right. home. <laughs> and, uh, and gets the spray paint. Yeah, spray paints his... Uh, <laughs> he's very artistic. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that about yeah. Frank Castle. He's just a, he didn't have a stencil or anything. He did no, a real good job with hand, that skull. Yeah, yeah uh, and of course, he's got the, the long duster and, and everything, and right, and the Gatling gun, and and we also get a little tease for what I would assume is going to be a Punisher spinoff. Yeah, 
when uh, behind the his war photo he he finds a CD or a DVD or you know some sort of disc that has micro written on it. Yeah, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, microchip is sort of like his tech, you know, ally in the comics. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. there's Who's... that's also an Agents of Shield reference because Daisy has, has dropped the name. I think she was still Sky, but she dropped the name Micro during season two. I think maybe. Oh, I totally forgot um, about that. It's yeah, it's like a small thing, but it's just like she mentioned some hacker contact, and she says Micro. So in some way, you know. Daisy knows this hacker, so I doubt we'll ever get anything more with that. But, you know, just another... There was a lot of little Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. references this season, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so he finds he, he finds a CD, blows up his house. Uh, yeah. And, you know, obviously he's he's putting his old life behind and embracing his right. new life. Right. Uh, um, but... So, yeah, he helps Matt out on the, on the roof, and, you know, he... he Give Again, him a little wink. Yeah, yeah. He says, you know, see around red or whatever. Right. I, just, I and, like the fact that he calls him red, but yeah. Um, and Matt, of course, has no. I love how Matt not liking people killing is just like goes out the window every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> like Electra murders everybody while they're fighting, and he doesn't say anything except that one time that he almost got her killed for doing it. And then you know, Punisher kills like four people, and he's like, hey, you know, he basically gives him a thumbs up, like, thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait a minute, what? <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. It's one of those things where it's convenient. Whenever it's convenient, Matt hates when people kill, but then other times it's like, yeah, go ahead. You can kill him. As long as I don't kill him, then it's okay. Yeah. Unless they're immortal, then I can kill them. Yeah, then I can kill them or try to. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So he... I'll almost kill, which was a, still a really cool shot when he like uses the, I mean, we'll ignore the physics of it, but he you know, oh, basically sure. baton Gatling guns or you know, grappling hooks uh, Nobu and like flings, you know, somehow like flips him through the air over the uh yeah, over, over the, the building, building which is a really cool uh shot and then you think man this guy's got you know nine lives he's never going to go away yeah and he gets up again and... he gets up again and stick shows up and cuts his head off yeah highlanderism yeah uh, so conceivably i think we're done with nobu with yeah <laughs> I, I think we could say that the mechanics of coming back from the dead end at your head being removed unless you're <laughs> you know daredevil or um deadpool sorry yeah exactly the other red guy yeah um, so all that goes on, um, and then you know it's kind of like New Day. They bury Elektra. Him and Stick of Daredevil and Stick have kind of made their peace, uh, mm-hmm. and and leave. Um, Matt. And then we see Matt. He's carrying a brown paper bag, and he's you know head walking down the street. He heads into the office. We see that Karen's in the office, um, and he takes the Daredevil mask out of the bag and mm-hmm. says, "I'm Daredevil." And she just yeah. has this look of shock on her face. and Yeah, which again, you know, I, said, I guess I said this last week, you know, I'm, I'm bummed she didn't solve it herself, but I'm glad that that ridiculous ruse is over with moving Yeah, there's no more because... crazy plot points surrounding that next season, which I'm, yeah, happy Yeah, with. because it was just getting, it, it, it happens in a lot of superhero shows, and it always is a disservice. It's always the female character who gets disserviced by the male keeping the secret for no yeah no real conceivable reason. It's like, well, I want to keep him safe. And it's like, Karen's almost died more times than you have. This season. <laughs> yeah. Like without the fact that she, the, the logic of that, when someone knows your secret, that will somehow make other people know they know just has never made sense in superhero stuff to me. So I always find it sort of convoluted when it's like, well, I'm keeping you safe, but it's like, how would anybody know that she knows? It doesn't, it doesn't put her at any more risk 
And if anything, it makes her safer because she understands like the full, you know, she she has all the information at her disposal. Right. You know, if she's in trouble, she could just call Matt and know like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Daredevil's going to show up instead of just, you know, constantly just like not knowing what's going on. So I'm glad they addressed that moving forward. And, you know, I don't know what their relationship will be like. I don't I really hope it's not as easy as Karen just being like, oh, all is forgiven, you know? Yeah, now it all makes sense. It's it, right. It's like it makes sense, but you were still a terrible person, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and you treated her terribly. So I, I really hope the writers don't just make her magically like okay with everything. Um, you know, but at the same time, I hope she doesn't treat it like Foggy. Ha- you know, I think I think the important thing is like they Foggy and Karen should be angry at Matt for lying. Yeah. Uh, and treating them the way he did. But I don't think it's right for them to be angry at him for being daredevil. So I think, I think that's the key thing. It's like, they need to accept that he's daredevil and that's what he's doing, but he needs to stop like lying to them and stop, um, you know, basically leaving them high and dry with, you know, the law firm stuff. Right. Right. He needs to kind of like pick a side and they need to accept that. So hopefully we'll get some, uh, I don't know in dare in defenders or I, it's still all kind of confusing to me because there's so many story threads that it's it's hard for me to imagine how they'll go into Defenders without addressing those. Yeah, um, it, it depends on, you know, what the other shows pick. You know, is Iron Fist going to pick up on any of these threads? Right, is... right. and I, I hope it will. There's, there's a lot of stuff in this season that would make more sense for Iron Fist. So it'd be, it would be nice if, you know, Madam Gao and maybe the hand, maybe Electra, who knows, like somehow get involved with Iron Fist. Um, but, you know, before we get to Defenders, unless the Defenders is going to be dealing with like the hand and Kingpin and Shadowland and stuff, which, you know, it could, that, that could be the, the plot. Agreed. Um, and of course the, the final bit that we get in the episode is Electra. They put Electra in that box Mm-hmm. Um and can well they show they she's been they dug up her grave they right. exhumed her body killed the grave digger killed the grave digger yeah <laughs> um and they put her in that box wrapped in this red uh, yeah red material and so reminiscent of you know her comic costume right right so again the thinking is she's put in this magic box I'm assuming I guess like Nobu was to come back yeah. Um, it's maybe sort of speculation still. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Is this the thing that brings you back from the dead or is this just a black sky specific thing or yeah. And, and I mean, what even makes her, what even makes her black sky, you know, what is, what is that exactly? Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause obviously it's something more than just what Nobu is, who is apparently very old. They've said, and, um, you know, keeps coming back from the dead, but she's somehow more special than he is. So, yeah, I'm not not really sure, but I, I have a feeling when she comes back, she will be um, she'll probably be evil. Yeah, which is you know sort of comic uh, related. Yeah, completely brainwashed and yeah. Yep, yep. So that's how we end Daredevil season two. Yeah, good. A crazy season. Yeah. 
I mean, sure. overall, I, I thought that season two was an improvement on season one, but Me too. there's some really good stuff in season one. So it's, it's not a put down on season one, I think. No, no. And I think season one had a little more, in some ways it was more focused, but in some ways this was a little more, I, I mean, the, the, the arc was, was more straightforward in this in terms of like everything connected, but obviously we got a lot of the hand stuff and mysticism stuff that was a little vague where season one was a little more focused in, um, you know, kind of things you could wrap your head around more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and it was a little grittier, whereas season two, obviously, you know, launches much more in the fantastical realm, which is fine. Cause I, I'm assuming again, I think it's, I think what they're trying to do almost is like set the stage for iron fist and defenders. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think season one and Jessica Jones were very, you know, grounded grounded and i think luke cage will probably aside from you know the fact that he's bulletproof i i think we're gonna see a fairly grounded sort of crime you know crime stories and stuff yeah i I I doubt there will be very many super powered people but then of course iron fist and i would assume probably defenders if it's needing to pull all these characters together will be you know something much more like comic booky and and fantastical so i think they're almost kind of like getting us ready for that with those, you know, hand elements and stuff. I agree. So, yeah, we'll see. Cool. So that finally wraps up our Daredevil talk. Yep. So I guess we'll have to wait until September when Luke Cage starts for more Daredevil or more uh, Netflix talk, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll figure that out. Uh, I don't know if we'll do like we did this time where we do it in big chunks because it tends to make really, really long episodes. Maybe we'll... Uh, take a slower pace with it and and dice it up into smaller pieces or yeah maybe yeah I, yeah i guess we'll figure it out we'll, we'll but yeah out. maybe we could maybe we'll take a an anti-binge approach and like really spread it out yeah as if it was a you know season-long show or something yeah especially you know if, if agents of shield is going on and then we've got most wanted and right you know, we'll have a lot to, to talk about yeah depending on what's going on so yeah we don't want to be Spending three hours each week talking about this stuff that gets a little dry after a while. Yeah. Um, so even though we can easily talk about yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a hard thing to do. It's just whether That's it's an interesting the thing problem. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so stay tuned for more on that. Uh, so switching gears, uh, we're going to finish off with Agents of Shield, uh, season three, episode sixteen, Paradise Lost. Uh, I I don't have a ton of notes. On this one, uh, there were three kind of pieces with this episode, three yeah. you know major beats. Uh, one, and we'll kind of maybe talk about them individually. But the yeah. first one is Malik and his brother and Hive, and how all that fits together. The second one is Daisy and Lincoln, kind of off on their own adventure. Mm-hmm. And then the third bit is kind of the Shield crew and uh, you know their their interaction with Gaiera and what that and what that yeah. means. Uh, how that kind of sets up the next episode. Yeah, yeah. So the, the big, I guess the the biggest piece uh, is with with Malik. We get some backstory on Malik, and we find mm-hmm. out kind of what he's about and, and what's going on. Um, we see Daniel Whitehall makes a return appearance, which I thought was yeah. cool. Um, mm-hmm. So this takes place, you know, the flashbacks take place in 1970. Um, Malik's father is dead. And it's him and his brother that are left behind. Yeah, and they're pretty, you know, t- teenagers, mm-hmm. maybe in their 20s, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty like, young. Yeah. Um, and so they go to see Daniel Whitehall after their father is dead. 
And Whitehall kind of talks about how their father wasn't exactly who they thought he was, um, that Whitehall kind of follows a more traditional or more a take on Hydra that's more based on science and technology and not mm-hmm. about all this crazy mysticism and you know magical creatures and other dimensions and, and things right. like that. There's a couple different factions of Hydra, which is interesting. Yeah, and Whitehall's more like in the almost like in the Red Skull you know, faction of sure, Hydra. but you could say that Red Skull was pretty steeped in a lot of mysticism, you know, because he was the one looking true. for like the Tesseract and true. knew all yeah, about Odin true. and stuff like that. So it's it's almost like Red Skull was kind of everything combined, whereas Whitehall's more the scientific side, and and then this group is more of the the sort of ancient mysticism yeah. side. So it's like after Skull, they kind of split into these two camps. Yeah. Um, and he kind of, like I said, he kind of tells them his, their father may not be who they think he was. And they find out that, um, you know, they talk about this volume of paradise lost and when they open it up, they find So the way they used to do this is every, I guess every generation or whatever it is, they would, um, they, they would send somebody into the, using the, the stones into the other dimension, into Maveth, um, as kind of a, a tribute or a, a or to go find hive to to basically like a sacrifice or whatever you want to call it right um, right and to hopefully bring him back and so it, it was the father's turn to go and it turns out that you know the way they do it is by picking stones and if your stone is picked right um, which we saw in the in that flashback right. to like england yes and yeah. so it's sort of that same ceremony exactly um and so they found out that the father replaced the stone and hid it in the book. Um, yeah, he had like a chipped, like a chip stone that he could feel for. Yes. So he knew not to pick the white one. Right. And so he basically cheated it. And so the brothers kind of make a pact that they'll they'll both go do this together, and that you know they I, I guess um, uh, they threw the they threw the the stone into the water. Right, which mirrors we saw Hive like a scene earlier, sort of throw a stone in the water and Malik looks all frightened by it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we sort of, it, it's teased throughout this episode that, you know, Malik's obviously very scared because, you know, he saw this vision. So it sort of teases that Hive knows a little more than, than we do. And that Malik does about like what's going on. Yeah. And, and Malik knowing that he, that Hive has retained some of Ward's memories. Asks him right. He can point. piece it together. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, do you, so do you retain memories from everybody? And Hive <laughs> yeah. never really, you know, Ward never answers them. So he's kind of cryptic. Yeah. But um, he throws that stone in the water, which yeah. is at first we don't know, but you know, then we get this scene where it starts to become obvious. Like, you know, we can start to piece together like, okay, I think we know what's uh, about to happen. Yeah. So then it turns out that, Malik tricked his brother. He was going to follow, try and you know follow this mist, you know the 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 go that route, and so his mm-hmm. brother ends up getting picked and sent over because basically Malik was a coward like his father was. Um, right, which you know there's there's some mixed things here because one you could say well, just because he avoided the white stone, it doesn't mean he was sacrificing his brother. His brother still could have randomly not picked the white stone, and somebody else could. So True. it's more of Malik, Gideon Malik, uh, proving that he's not like a true believer. Like he 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 wouldn't just accept the chance of it, you know. Right, right. Um, but then it's also like, well, 
you would think that when the brother was grabbing the stone, like he didn't feel that chip in there too. So yeah, yeah. I I almost wonder if he pulls it out, like he feels the chip and that's when he knows. And he almost, he, he could have made the decision right then to not pick that one, but it's like, well, this is the one my hand grabbed. I'm going to take it and, you know, prove, even though I know that I'm, I'm the one going over, like I'm going to prove that I'm willing to accept that. Yeah. So maybe we could read that subtext in there. I don't know if that was intended or not, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, so yeah, so that's why kind of we find out what happened to Malik and his brother. Um, and in the present day, um, Malik, we're introduced to his daughter, and you know, High feels like his daughter is, and she's totally drinking the Kool Aid, like she's mm-hmm. totally in on exactly what's going on. Malik has has not kept her in the dark about anything. Um, you know, she's she, right. she's fully aware of everything going on. And, uh, well, he, except for, I mean, he's never told her about the thing with his brother. And, no, right. And stone right, and all that. Right. But I mean, as but far she, as, she knows the plan and everything yes, else. And yes. She's part of the cult. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, this, we get a scene in there where they gather the, Malik at this point knows how he's going to die. He tells the daughter, he tells his daughter that he dies at the hands of hive, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that's how he dies. Um, and so he kind of they assemble the whole crew, and they're a little questionable as to like, okay, you're you're Grant Ward, you know, you're not this per- like, how do we know you're? This isn't a trick. Mm-hmm. And then we get the cheat where we see it from behind, but he yeah. exposes the the tentacle head, you know, thing that right, that, the Hydra like, head, the, yeah, you know, which is how he looks in the comics, right, right. Um, yeah, I think you know, I think it was, I think we will see the full-on phase yeah but pr- probably not to like the finale i think right. you know it, it's when colson and everybody will see it is when we'll see it right um and you know of course it's obviously a little cheaper to to show the tentacles than show like all the facial features and stuff right. so yeah exactly you know it's a, it's enough of a tease and we'll get you know one time we'll see the full reveal yeah so he reveals himself so they they obviously believe it at that point yeah um yeah, they're like, and, okay, yeah, you are high. You are who you say you are. And then Hive and Malik kind of have this interesting conversation where he's like, "Oh, it starts to become more clear." He's giving more hints out there that he he is his brother, essentially. And right, you know, he says, "Oh, there always has to be a Malik by my side." And at that point, he thinks his death is coming. Like he's seen his death. You know, mm-hmm. the his daughter is a true believer. Um, mm-hmm. and it takes a bit of a twist and hive kills his daughter in front of him. Yeah. Which I was I, not expecting. I wasn't either. And I, I, I have to say that I'm not a, a fan of that decision. Um, I don't know how you felt about it. I, I felt like it was a little silly to bring the daughter in to just simply kill her I off. Do too. I, it, I, it was, it was I, a complete waste to introduce her. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's not the typical version of it, but it's just the continuation of the fridging yeah, you know trope yeah. because yeah. it's you know a female character is killed to motivate the male character and again you know Mal- gideon you know gideon malik he's he's of a certain age he's done all these things we got a lot of his backstory and sort of more of more vulnerable look at him this episode to me it would have sort of been the perfect episode to kill him especially because his daughter she basically like figures out what's happening and she's like do what you have to do she i think she's yeah. basically saying kill kill my dad yeah because i have that much faith in you so to me it would have been a lot more interesting if he dies and then she replaces him as you know in his position we get to know this character more 
we've got a f- powerful female character in Hydra, which is pretty rare. And also, this is someone who has so much faith in what Hive is doing that she was willing to sacrifice her father. So I, I, I feel like that would have been a much more interesting like character um, to explore, whereas, you know, not that Malik isn't interesting, but I, I yeah, I, I kind of wish they had gone the other way and, and killed him and, and had her sort of like elevated to his position. But. I Yeah, I totally agree. I I think that would have been a much better use of her. And I think it adds an interesting dynamic because then, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like it's a love interest, but technically it's kind of sort of her uncle, but not really. And and then they like, he, she kind of worships him and yeah, it, it, yeah, it becomes be, a weird thing. But... It could have been a lot more interesting. I think, you know, right. just keeping Powers is... Booth hanging around, you know, right. And he's just what he's afraid. Plus he Hive killed his daughter. So now maybe he'll want to kill Hive. And it just, it just kind of becomes like a story we've seen a hundred times before where he's like, you know, I, I have a feeling like he. It, this isn't going to make him a true believer. It's going to make him want revenge against Hive, and he'll probably help Shield out, and you know, to get Hive or something like that. I don't know. That's yeah. that's kind of how I see it playing out, which is unfortunate because I feel like that's a kind of a typical trope, where like the the head bad guy pushes the other bad guy too far, and then the bad guy's like, "Well, now I want to be a good guy because he's too much of a bad guy," and you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, he killed my daughters, so and that, yeah, and it just. You know, and, and again, it just create the only reason she existed at all was to motivate his actions. Like she had no characterization right, at all. Right. She's in, you know, one episode and the tag of another one, which was, you know, nothing. And so, yeah, it's just here's your daughter. Now she's dead. How does that make right, you feel? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I wasn't too crazy about that. But and, and yeah, especially... I, I liked everything else building up to it. I mean, yeah. I liked all the backstory and stuff. And... Well, and the other the other bit with it is if Malik saw his death. Then Malik is going to die. I mean, if if there's if there's one thing we've seen that the right. events of what we're shown come true. I mean, unless they right. decide to backtrack on that, uh, right? That's what we've seen so far. So yeah. So if they exactly. kill her and kill him, it's like, well, what? Like, what was it? Like, if three episodes from now they end up killing him, or, or six episodes in the finale, or whatever, yeah. then I, it just I feel like it's just kind of silly. I think, but yeah, unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of like introducing like Werner, like. Von Strucker's son, and he serves like no purpose either. Yeah, and then it's like they just keep introducing these characters just to like move the plot along once they like die or go into a coma or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or Von Strucker in Age of Ultron, where it's like, okay, he's there. Yeah, but that, then... the ultimate. I mean, yeah, yeah. His, well, let's like, kill him off screen. Like, son. <laughs> yeah, like let's just get rid of all the Von Struckers. Let's introduce them. They'll serve almost no purpose in the plot, and then they'll just die. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think we're in agreement on that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the the other part of the episode is Lincoln and Daisy decide to go track this inhuman that Lincoln remembers might know something about what's going on with Ward and how he's come back from the death. Yeah. Uh, so they track this guy to South Dakota. He's kind of like this crazy recluse, mm-hmm. um, living in a trailer out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the long and short of it is. Daisy, they're able to subdue this guy because he's very paranoid and has like landmines set up around his yeah, house. Which was a great yeah. scene when she just sort of like sets them all off using her quick powers, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, damn!" Yeah, yeah like, "Damn it!" <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it turns out he was on uh, Afterlife, but he was never given Terragenesis, so mm-hmm. he, he's an inhuman. But he wants it really bad. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's very jealous of Lincoln because Lincoln was granted powers and. Especially given highly of Lincoln, right? Because of Lincoln's backstory and how he came to afterlife in the first place, right? uh, You know, we 
not as dramatic as they led us to believe. Yeah, yeah. Still terrible, but it's almost identical to what we were saying about Karen. It's like, it's not that drunk driving and almost killing someone isn't a terrible thing, like it 100% is, but like in this fantastical world of superheroes, when when somebody's talked about to be this like terrible, terrible person, you imagine they sort of like chose to do some horrific thing, whereas this was more of just like a couple of dumb decisions by some people, and you know, I mean, she shouldn't have even gotten in the car with him, and it's unfortunate, but also she survived, so it's not even like Yeah. It's like everybody's fine. It's like he's not like a horrible Well, they made it seem like he was like a wife beater or something. Yeah, they did. They're like you know, he almost killed it. It's like right. no, he did I mean, yes, his actions almost led to that, but it's not like he tried to murder his Ooh, girlfriend exactly. or something. Yeah, or he wasn't like a, a you know, a, an an abuser. Like he's not a he's not a Right. Which know, they've a... kind of led us to believe he's got this really sketchy past, but it's Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that it, you know, right. Those We're not trying to bad, minimize alcoholism and you know, not at all. But it, yeah, they, does, they definitely but... made us. They made it seem like he had done some much more horrific, yeah. things. Which is, I thought, you know, it's purposeful, um, you know, misdirection by the writers when they could have just come out and been like, you know, told us what what the deal was, you know. So, right. yeah. Um, so in the, in the end, they find out that, uh, that he has information. Uh, there's a, there's a Cree artifact there that, that mm-hmm. Daisy recognizes. And he says, yeah, Oh, that's the more interesting bit. Yeah. <laughs> and that... he says it belonged to Maveth, the first inhuman who was supposed to lead, you know, anointed by the Cree to right. No, it's, um, it, it's a different name because Maveth is the, um, is the planet, right? Right. He says, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look it up real quick. It starts with an A. It's like, um, I can't get my internet up, but yeah, they give him like a Latin name that is like hives, like original name from back, you know, whenever, however long ago this was, um, (laughs) I'm trying to type with one hand while I talk with the other, (laughs) but yeah, anyway, I guess we should keep going while I look this up. Yeah. So he, the, the, he was supposed to lead this grand inhuman army and, um, Alvius. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Alvius. A L V E U S. So that, that, yeah, that's his Latin name from thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah. Like when he's one of the first inhumans ever. Yeah. Um, and then of course he gained too much power. So they banished him. Uh, yeah. And the inhumans and the humans apparently combine. Yes. To banish to, like him. fight him off, which yeah. m- maybe we can assume that's when this sort of like interbreeding began. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I'm assuming they're talking about hive. He was banished to Maveth and yeah, you know, I think, and, and he's been there. Ever so, since. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, because they said his, he was going to control the inhuman army. And what we sort of learn about hive this episode is that he's sort of a, basically a collection of parasites they right. can like infect like not only can he like eat the flesh off people but he can also like sort of mind control them and so the idea was he would control he would be like the hub to control all of the the inhuman army for the kree right so yeah some deep deep backstory there yeah yeah so of course he 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 gets banished and then we have what we have now where there's rituals take place and you know this whole society is built Mm -hmm. around trying to bring him back and to live up to his ideals and everything else right and and now they've got this artifact which i would assume in the next you know the last few episodes will also reveal some more like inhuman lore i would assume yeah 
Yeah. Which again, given how deep they're getting into inhuman lore in this show and presumably will continue to do so in the years to come, it's it's seeming next to impossible that the eventual inhuman movie will be able to not reference the stuff that's played out in shield. Yeah, which <laughs> by the how way is deeply been they've gotten involved. Taken off the slate for phase 3. So. Right, that's sort of the yeah, I guess we sort of skipped over that a bit in the news. But yeah, basically, yeah, Feige's saying it's happening, but it's not happening when we thought it was going to happen originally. Yeah. So it may not be till 2020. Who knows? But, you know, if we're talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. keep going until then, that's like season eight of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which <laughs> By yeah. then, they'll have every Inhuman except, you know, Black Bald and Medusa and all them <laughs> yeah. on the show. Crystal, they've, yeah. they've dealt with the entire backstory of the Inhuman, so <laughs> it'll be... A huge slap in the face if we get an Inhumans movie and they don't even like introduce, you know, Daisy or yeah. Lash or any of these people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I guess that's very, very far off in the future. But, you know, it seems like they're getting really into, you know, they're not afraid to to get into the Inhuman and Kree and stuff backstory, which I I think is an interesting decision on Marvel's part. So, yeah, I, I wonder how how deep they'll go into all that stuff in the episodes to come. We'll see. Um, yeah. So and I find... feel bad for James because, you know, they basically trick him with a saying they'll turn him into an inhuman. Yeah. Lincoln has one of these crystals around and it's like, you know, guy, if you weren't so holed up in this house, you'd realize all you got to do is go eat some tuna fish. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could get inhuman powers. Here, take some fish oil tablets. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, he's like, oh, I guess I'll never be an inhuman. <laughs> yeah. They kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of like, wah, wah. They kind of. Yeah. And, and leave. <laughs> He's uh, going to be pissed someday. Yeah, that'd be cool if, like, a season and a half from now or something like that, he comes he he comes back to right, back and he's got Biden. powers. And yeah, he's yeah. like you, you jerks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they leave there. So while all this is happening, um, Colson and crew are able to kind of track down, um, you know this this corporation that. Uh, uh, the 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 corporation that makes the hand and and took all that stuff. Um, they're able to get a hold of anyway. They they come across where um, they go to to Michigan in this factory or whatever, and they come across Gaiera, and mm. uh, they take this as an opportunity to trap him. And one of the coolest thing to happen in this episode is this badass fight between May and Gaiera. Yes, such a good. I mean, considering it's the episode right after Kevin Tancheron, you know, directed an episode, we got one of the best shield fights ever, thanks to Wendy Stansler who uh, is a name we should, you know, keep an eye on for future credits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she... yeah. The, the, it was such a cool setup. And that was like some Black Widow level fighting, too. I mean, this wasn't, you know, yeah. again, we we criticized this the show a little bit in like season one that the fighting was a little stilted and, you it, know, especially yeah, which seeing, it was. <laughs> seeing things like Arrow, uh, you know, where the fighting right. was, was a lot more choreographed and then even, you mm-hmm. know, when Daredevil came along. And so this was very well orchestrated. I mean, it was, you know, you know, backflips and, you know, running up on walls. and Yeah, and it was kind of in a white room. Yeah. Which yeah. made everything really stand out. And, and there was a lot of, like, overhead shots with that I thought looked really cool. Um, yeah, and Geyer is a much more nimble than we've ever seen him be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they basically say he was, like, a special ops guy or something before he worked for Malik. They they dropped something like that. Like yeah. he he had training before he was even an inhuman. So which we've never really seen. We've just seen him like flinging things around and shooting guns with his mind. But uh, yeah, it looks like he can throw down. Yeah. So the, they're able to get the upper hand on him. 
um, or maybe so he wanted them to think. Yeah. And uh, so they've got him in the containment cell. They've mm. got him aboard the bus. And what ends up happening is he ends up breaking out, which I guess you you got to just kind of have to take it with a grain. You know, it's yeah. like this thing has been able to hold everybody, but this guy's... Right. And I thought, I guess I don't really understand how the containment things work. Because they make it seem like it somehow negates your powers, but it obviously doesn't. Because we've seen like Yo-Yo using her powers inside it, and right. obviously he's using his abilities in it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand like what what it does that's so special, other than just you know a cube that you can lock people in. But yeah, and they said that it's like an adaptive material, so it almost seems like it it's able to respond right. to what you're doing to it to to strengthen itself. But the fact but apparently that apparently all you able... have to do is pry a push the door open a little bit with a seatbelt and that yeah, opens I was these like, doors. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. But what anyways, is it, just like an elevator? You can just pry yeah, the door just open? Just pry the door open. Uh, it was a little contrived. Uh, yeah. But it had the desired effect. So Gaier is able to get out. He takes control of the plane. Uh, we think he's going to crash it. Uh, and what he ends up doing is hard landing it into the shield facility, which kind of knocks everybody out. And so... Um, was it the shield facility? I thought, I thought it was like a Hydra base. Oh, was it a Hydra? Oh, okay. Well, and that's what made me even more think it was contrived is he got out just in time to land it in the exact spot he needed to land it. But I guess I'm, I guess we'll find out next week. But Yeah, it wasn't real clear. I guess because I saw the, the thing in the ceiling open up and I, land Yeah, it. but I, I guess I was wondering if it's the shield base and that's not really a good plan. Like, he's still got to fight all these Well, shield. true, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just assumed it was like he's dropping them into the Hydra base, and now they're, like, trapped in there. No, that makes sense. Hydra yeah, that people makes, take over, but... That makes much more sense. Yeah, again, it's how he timed that so perfectly is is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's got it. But... Uh, yeah, so May is able to kind of get a distress call out that Gaier has taken, taken it over, and they're, they're, right. they need help. Um, so then we come back to Lincoln and Daisy, who get this message... And this part, I I must say, was a little eye rolly. Yeah. Lincoln goes, you you put in the secret warrior initiative specifically for this thing, and I was like, did he really say initiative? Like I was just like, yeah. It was it was like I'm surprised. And yeah, in the marketing, they're they're saying secret warriors unite. I was surprised that they weren't saying secret warriors a symbol. Yeah. In the marketing, so. But when he said initiative, I was right. Right. I was like, oh, really. I was like, well, and it's like, this is the reason you did it. And she's like, you're right. <laughs> it was very and it's this big dramatic off. thing. But like, oh, OK, we've never we've technically kind of already seen this, though. It's not the first time. That yeah, because it's just it's not like a huge team. It's Daisy, Lincoln, Joey and Yo-Yo. Right. Who we've all seen. Uh, maybe Lincoln wasn't there when they were in Columbia. But, you know, we've seen we've seen them kind of go on mission. So it's not exactly like this, the first time we've seen them yeah. join together and fight. And again, it's just like four of them. It's not like a mind blowing. Oh, they're fine. You know, it's not like the Avengers, like, Oh, they're finally together. It's just like, yeah. Oh yeah, they've been together. So yeah. we just saw Yo-Yo like three episodes ago. I mean, it's, it's cool, but yeah, they're definitely hyping like the, the promos and stuff are hyping it up like this crazy things gonna happen yeah and i guess it was the but, word initiative that really just because it just like they did yeah. that with the avengers so i was like uh right just like a i don't know it just kind of caught me funny but yeah um, so conceivably the next episode is the secret warriors going to rescue yeah. their team which i, I, I think, think is going to be called the team yeah even, so which will be really good i'm 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 really looking forward to i, I am too episode. i mean i 
I like all the people involved, so it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, seeing them all use their abilities. Yep, yep. Says Paradise Lost. Yep. Overall, pretty good. I mean, you know, not a stellar example uh, this season, but... Uh, you know, no, I think one of the last slower sort of episodes before... I guess we've got five to go, including the two six. of which will be the double finale. Oh, okay, six. Yeah, two six. of which will be the double finale. Right. So five. One of which weeks. will presumably feature a sort of ham-fisted civil war tie-in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, so I, I would imagine that we're getting into the uh, like the meat of the uh, final, cl- like the climax and the final showdown and everything. Yeah, we're clearly in the third act. Yeah. So yeah, should should be pretty crazy from here on out. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's all we got for this week. Uh, so next week we'll be back regular time. Uh, I'm I don't have anywhere to be next week, so uh, we'll be able to record regular time and just cover yeah. one episode. So we'll yeah, see. no no more Daredevil. So no more Daredevil. So um, we'll see if there's any news that that cop props up. Maybe some of the stuff that's been kind of in the ethers will solidify. And yeah, and days. and I know there's been. Um, there's i know you've got feedback um i also one of the things i forgot to mention with the the new version of the mcu exchange website is there's a forum on there now um oh that's right so i yes. guess i should direct people to go to that where you can talk about there there's posts for all sorts of things but um we actually didn't have a podcast post and somebody actually started one a listener and and posted some stuff in there so maybe we'll get to that next week too um, they sort of had some thoughts on some of the things we've been talking about. So cool, yeah. I've got some some Twitter stuff and some Facebook stuff. So yeah, being that we don't have a big block for Daredevil, we'll definitely have some time next week to to go over some feedback. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, head over to mcuexchange.com uh, for all the news we did talk about, the stuff we didn't talk about. Um, and then just keep an eye on for not only just news-related stuff, but the features. Uh, there's more videos coming up. There's the MCU Exchange mm-hmm. show uh, that typically goes up on Fridays. Uh, so, again, more and more stuff. Keep an eye on the, the MCU Exchange YouTube channel as well. So as more of this video stuff. Uh, yeah, we've got a, we've got a bunch of, of little things coming up. We just posted a few. Um, Doug uh, and Addy from the MCU Exchange – or from the MCU X show posted a reaction – to the Doctor Strange trailer, and we've also got like a Cloak and Dagger profile video, um, and we should have a Daredevil season two Easter eggs video up um, in a few days as well that I was working on. So yeah, a b- bunch of new video content on top of all of our regular written content. So good, good. Um, and of course, you can head over to hhwlod.com to check out the other podcasts that I do and my cohorts on the network do as well. Um, like we talked about before, the DC TV podcast. If you like the DC stuff as much as you like the Marvel stuff, there's a podcast there, um, as well as the Walking Dead TV. Um, and then you can go to uh, – the I actually am on a podcast on the Taylor Network uh, called Gotham by Geeks where we talk about a bunch of Batman stuff. So um, if you're curious to hear more of me, you can do so there. And again uh, – mcuexchange.com for more more marvel stuff so thanks everybody for listening and we will see you we we will be back next week uh, for more marvel news and agents of shield